0: If it's time-tested wisdom that has stood for over 2,000 years, then it would be wise for us to look at that and say, well, there's got to be patterns and principles in this that can be applied to business because what is business? Well, in so many ways, business is just a reflection of how human nature acts whenever you bring a bunch of human beings together. And so let's take that principle, guard your heart above all else for out of it flows everything you do. That is why it's so crucial that you start with the mission statement as we start to build this structure. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that... Others benefit and God is glorified. Now we're in the middle of a series on the fundamentals for healthy growth. And in the first episode of this series, we really said that these 12 fundamentals represent the structure to keep you where your growth is taking you. So often, business leaders experience this great reality where their business is growing and everything is up into the right, and that's a really, really good thing, all the way up into the point that they recognize that something is growing growing proportional to the rate of their business. And that's their stress level and the stress level of their team. That means that they're not embracing healthy growth. It means that they are experiencing what we think of as toxic growth. And the way to get out of that toxic growth hamster wheel is to make sure that you're leading instead of reacting. And so we've been walking through these 12 essential structures, these 12 fundamentals, these things that represent the dribbling, passing, and shooting, the basics of running and leading a healthy growing business. And today we're jumping into fundamentals four, five, six, and seven. But first let's, run through the three that we've already addressed in the previous episode. Number one was a personal growth plan for the leader. Now, so often we coincide with people where they say, okay, well, I I join Path for Growth to grow my business and and I want to focus on business growth and I can work on the personal side whenever I get time. And, And here's the deal. It doesn't work that way. I used to think that way myself. And then I realized one very powerful principle. If you want to put your business in order, you have to start by putting yourself in order. And I've never seen a disorganized, frantic, feeble, weak leader lead a healthy, centered, stable, organized business. I've never seen it happen and I wouldn't put my money on you being the first. And so it doesn't mean that we need to go out and be a personal growth world beater, but what it does mean is that we need to have a plan for engaging in a rhythm of healthy personal investment, learning, and growth. Are you the type of person that people view as moving forward? Because here's what I know to be true. If you're not personally growing, there's no way you're effectively leading. And why is that the case? Well, people just understand whether consciously or subconsciously, we become like what we follow. And if you're someone that is constantly running around in a panic, acting like they're going to pull their hair out, not knowing what's coming next, their family is deprioritized, they don't have a great relationship with their spouse, their health is kind of going by the wayside, they're not reading or engaging in new things, they're constantly doing the old things and upset that they get the same results. If that's you, you really think people are going to want to follow that leader? No. Why do they not want to follow that leader? Because they don't want to become that leader. So it's so crucial that fundamental number one, we really focus on it, we prioritize it. Let's just get a basic personal growth plan in place, specifically with you creating a high return habit. Fundamental number two is your leader success statements. Specifically, we want to write success statements for your role. And this really hits home two words that we think are absolutely essential if you're going to increase the efficiency and effectiveness in your business. Those two words are role clarity. And success statements are our format for creating role clarity and accountability in your organization. But here's the thing that we often do. We often say, okay, I want to increase accountability in my organization. And we start clarifying everyone else's role. Here's the principle we need to remember. If you want to hold accountable, start by being held accountable. CEOs start to win whenever they get crystal clear on what do CEOs actually do, and they create a rhythm of being held accountable to those five results. If you want to dive deeper into the leader success statements fundamental, you can listen to the previous podcast episode. Finally, Olivia and I discussed the importance of you having a leadership team meeting. We said that it's so easy to become this leader that is going to make all these changes with regard to the fundamentals and go out and do it all on your own. And in reality, you're not being a leader when you do it all on your own. You're trying to be a superhero. And we look at Superman and we admire Superman. We think Superman is really cool, but what do we not do with Superman? We don't relate to Superman at all, right? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together is what the African proverb says. And so it's so crucial that before we engage in these remaining fundamentals, we get the right people together in the room and we create a rhythm for really vibrant, productive, effective meetings, and it's in that context of fundamentals one through three that today we're going to jump into fundamentals four, five, six, and seven. And so let's start with fundamental four. Fundamental four is you creating an aspirational mission statement. Let's talk about why this is so important to do early in the structure building process. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else, for out of it flows everything you do. Now, I've shared it on this podcast before that I've spent some time talking to some of our Orthodox Jewish friends up in Brooklyn, New York, and they've explained to me that the word for heart there, it's specifically your heart in Hebrew, is lebehu. And really heart in that language means something so much different than the way we often perceive it in western culture in western culture uh, we often associate the heart with the emotions and what i want you to know is that lebehu it encompasses emotions but it is also so much greater and grander than that the heart It's the core and the center of your intellect, your emotions, your convictions, and your will. In so many ways, Proverbs 4.23 is saying, guard the center, guard the core of who you are, because out of that is going to flow everything you do. Now, I I really believe this. Whenever Proverbs was written, it wasn't being written as a manual for how to build a healthy business, right? But if it's time-tested wisdom that has stood for over 2,000 years, then it would be wise for us to look at that and say, well, there's got to be patterns and principles in this that can be applied to business because what is business? Well, in so many ways, business is just a reflection of how human nature acts whenever you bring a bunch of human beings together. And so let's take that principle, guard your heart above all else for out of it flows everything you do. Guard the centerpiece of who you are for out of it flows everything you do. That is why it's so crucial that you start with the mission statement as we start to build this structure. So many people say, oh, a mission statement is something that we can prioritize later. Or a mission statement is something that's really just for marketing, but it's not actually all that important. Or a mission statement is something that we do have, but it's stored away in a binder somewhere, and we don't actually talk about it very much. It's so crucial that that is not your approach to a mission statement. Because if that is, I think you have a complete misunderstanding of the value and power of an aspirational mission statement properly created. What does a mission statement answer? Well, at Path for Growth, we teach that a mission statement answers the question, why do we exist? And we always talk about it within our podcast. And we certainly talk about it within our team as we say we exist to help impact driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. Now, there's a couple things I want you to identify in that mission statement. That mission statement is not an answer to the question, what do we do? It doesn't say anything about one-on-one coaching, team trainings, in-person experiences, or even podcasts. Why does it not say that? Well, you got to think about the purpose of a mission statement. So many people think that a mission statement at its core is marketing collateral. It is not. Your mission statement is not created for your website. It's not created for your one pager. It's not created for you to share with your customers. That doesn't mean that you can't put it in all of those places. It's just not the reason why you're creating it. Why are you creating a mission statement? You're creating a mission statement so that you can rally the team in the building around how they're going to serve the people outside the building. That's why you create a mission statement because our team knows what we do. I don't have to tell our team, Don't you forget, we do one on one coaching. They already know that, right? The thing that I have to constantly remind myself and the thing that we constantly want to remind our team is remember why we do what we do. Remember why all these mundane activities are incredibly meaningful. Remember the overarching purpose that this all connects to. I once had an incredible leader tell me, He said, Alex, The most effective leaders have this remarkable capacity to take people's eyes and lift them 10 degrees above the horizon. Now, without a shadow of a doubt, it's the oldest comeback in the book is people say, okay, well, Alex, you, your company is called Path for Growth. You work with people to help them grow. It's really easy for you to lead with a mission statement. I don't think that applies to my industry, and I don't think it's going to be very effective in my industry. <laughs> I reject that response. And why do I reject that response? Well, I've seen landscapers do this effectively. I've seen excavation companies do this effectively. I've seen a electrician companies do this effectively. I've seen marketing agencies do this effectively for their team. I've seen sales teams do this effectively for their team. It transcends industry. Why does it transcend industry? Because it's a principle of human nature. Think about the word motivation. What's the front of the word motivation? Motive. If you want people to be motivated, give them a compelling motive. Give them a compelling reason. Give them an answer to why do we exist and then that will equip you as a leader to constantly connect the dots of, hey, here's how everything that we're doing, that's the what, connects to the why. Poor leaders spend all of their time focused on the tyranny of how. Exceptional, effective, impact-driven leaders spend all of their time Doubling down on the what and lifting people's eyes to a compelling, inspirational, aspirational why and where. That's why it's so crucial that the next fundamental is the mission statement. From there, we move to fundamental number five. And fundamental number five is your immovable core values. This is another one that oftentimes when we coincide with businesses and in the course of my career where I've been doing this now in the business and leadership space for over 10 years, I often see that people have core values. It's typically not an issue that they don't have them. The issue is that they are radically underutilizing the core values that they have, or they have a complete misunderstanding of what core values are and how they're used. What I want you to know is there's a difference between having core values and being a value-based business. And at Path for Growth, we're going to really coach people on how to be a value-based business. Why is that so important? Well, Peter Drucker, I think, said it best. He said that the most effective executives make the fewest number of decisions at the highest possible conceptual level. Now, what does that actually mean? Well, first of all, let's think about how counter that is to the way some people think about leadership. He is saying that the most effective executives make the fewest number of decisions. Some people would hear that and say, what? That doesn't fit in with my model, my paradigm, my mindset for leadership, because there are literally books out there that are written that say leadership is about decision making. And what Peter Drucker is saying turns that on his head because he says, man, the best leaders... Are the ones that aren't actually making that many decisions. Why? Because they're making the fewest number of decisions at the highest possible conceptual level. What does that mean? Well, there's a few decisions that if you were to make them accurately and in a really effective way, And then you were to roll out the conclusions that you came to on those decisions in a way that was clear and in a way that was compelling and in a way that was concise. And if you created a rhythm for reminding your team about your answers to those decisions, if you did all that, you know what would happen? They would be empowered to make all the other decisions themselves. I'm talking about decisions on who to fire, on who to hire, on how to course correct, on how to deal with troubled customers, on how to celebrate winning customers, on how to coach team members towards success, on what should be invested in, on what benefits to choose. If you do a great job of the highest conceptual level of decision making, then you're going to equip your team with the structure, the information, and the knowledge that they need to be able to make all these other tactical decisions on their own. Or at the very least, they'll be able to create solutions and proposals that you can then just give a thumbs up to. And you can play the role of assisting. And you can play the role of leader as supporter instead of leader as easy button. And I'll tell you, that's so valuable whenever you do that. So then, And hopefully it goes without saying that is so valuable if you actually take the time to do this. Well, anytime we present that concept, right, people always ask like, okay, well, what are the decisions? Well, we already talked about one of them. The first one is answering why do you exist? Remember that verse, guard your heart above all else for out of it flows everything you do. Define who you are and why your business exists because out of that is going to flow a multitude of other decisions. What's next? Well, it's core values and core values answer the question, what do you stand for? And the question, what do you stand for, is a really unique and distinct question, because what is that question not? That question is not, what are some things that you think are good? That question is not, what are some things that you think are nice? That question is not, what are some really flashy and catchy words that you can put on your website that your customers will go, oh, that's nice. I agree with that. No, this is a way different question than that. This is, what do you stand for? Your core values are the things that you are not willing to negotiate on. They are the things that you are irrefutably committed to. They are the things that you refuse to sacrifice in pursuit of the 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 goals that you're chasing. These represent the fundamental convictions of how you're going to do business. And what's so powerful is when you go out of your way to engage with the process of defining these core values, you're creating the rules, the boundaries, and the structures that define how the game is played. And without clear rules, boundaries, and structures of how the game is played on this team, well, A lot of times people think, okay, well, if we don't introduce that structure, then people have a high degree of freedom. In reality, that's not what happens at all. If you as a leader don't make decisions on what your business stands for in a way that is clear, in a way that is concise, and in a way that is talked about, and a way that is lived out, it's not freedom that people experience. It's fear. Because you're not really communicating anything about what you want. And therefore, they're put in a position where they're just hoping they don't do what you don't want. And that means you've abdicated your responsibility for leading and all you're doing is just reacting and you're walking around telling people when you see things you don't like. And when that happens, people are going to be hesitant to ever take any actions, to ever make any decisions, to ever do anything that would move forward because they feel like it's safer, it's easier, it's way more convenient to just let you do all that because you have all the knowledge of what's good in your head and for them to not do any of it at all. I will tell you this, core values when done right, and that's a big caveat, when done right, core values are one decision that every single time I see a business engage with it, it makes things more efficient and more effective. That is an absurd statement. Think about what I just said. Every single time, and I mean this, I've actually thought through this, every single time, I've seen a business properly implement core values into their organization and actually make the decision to live by them and lead by them, not to be a business that has values, but to be a business that is value based. Every single time I've seen a leader actually get serious about that, it has made their business more efficient and more effective. Well, you say, Alex, why then do we avoid it? Why do so many businesses not pursue this? That's a great question. I've been asking myself that question. Here's what I think the answer to that is. Short-term pain and discomfort. I've also almost never seen an organization past 10 people introduce core values for the first time and actually hardcore implement them and not have to engage with conversations that looked at the very least like confrontation and conflict and oftentimes looked like termination of someone on the team because those people, it became ragingly clear that those people didn't align with the newly established culture but here's the deal. Those people are in your organization regardless. The question is, are you doing something about it? Because when we talk about core values, we're not talking about you thinking up things that don't exist and saying, we're going to make these things exist. The way we teach core values and the way we walk people through the application of this fundamental is we just say, let's pay attention and say, what do you actually value? Like, what are the things that you are relentlessly committed to as a leader and as an organization? What are you doing when you are at your absolute best? And we, we spend a lot of time doing exercise, getting into the center, getting to the core of those things. And here's the deal. All of those are questions not about what could be or what might be or what would be nice if it was. Those are all questions about what is most true of your organization when it's operating effectively right now. And if that's the case and those things are true, they just haven't been identified and distilled yet. Well, then when you have people that are operating outside of those things, even now you are experiencing outrageous dissonance, outrageous internal conflict and outrageous stress. And it looks like you being frustrated. It looks like you being irritated. And oftentimes if you're conflict averse, it looks like you being held hostage by your team members because they are making the business into something you really don't want it to be. However, the good news is, is that you have the keys to get out of the jail cell and the keys look like you getting clear on what do you want the business to be what is this business about? Seth Godin says, people like us do things like this. And then to say, line in the sand, we're doing a new thing moving forward. So we said fundamental four was your aspirational mission statement. Fundamental five is your immovable core values. That brings us to fundamental number six. Fundamental number six is your product guide. I think so often businesses fail because they don't understand their customer and they don't understand the problem that they're actually trying to solve. It's so crucial that you and your team invest serious time empathizing with your customer, understanding the marketplace and evaluating your product set or your service set and saying, how do these things meet these needs? Remember, business exists to meet needs solve problems, and serve people. And it's so crucial that if we want to be in business, we get crystal clear on what it looks like for us to meet needs, solve problems, and serve people. But here's what the products guide really does, is it's a document that we walk you through creating for you and your team that really represents your organization's word of mouth strategy. Because here's what I want you to remember. Let's just pretend you have 10 team members right now. Well, think about what your 10 team members do outside of work. They go to their kids' sports games. They drop their kid off at school. They go to the grocery store. They may go to church or to a place of worship. They go for walks in their neighborhood. They see family members. All these things are things that your team members are actively doing. And my bet is that at least once a week, those 10 team members of yours are being asked the question in any one of those interactions, or relationships, they're being asked the question, what do you do? As in like, what do you do for work? And here's the deal. You have zero clue unless you've invested in something like a product guide on how your team is answering that question. So often we coincide with businesses, and this was me for a while, right, that we never trained our team on how to answer the question, what do we do? And therefore, we realize that, holy cow, our team doesn't know how to properly answer that question. They say, well, it's kind of like about growth, and it's just so cool, and, and you know, it's, it's really neat what we're focused on. It's kind of leadership, and, and we focus on business and things like that. And it was like, holy cow we're leaving so much opportunity on the table. What do I mean by that? Well, what's your business's word of mouth strategy? My bet is that so many of your customers are coinciding with your business through word of mouth marketing. And yet you don't have a word of mouth strategy. You have never equipped your team on how to talk to the people that they're in relationship with about what your business does when the question comes up. And so what we did with our team is we said, here's how we answer this question. I work for a company called Path for Growth. We Provide One-on-one coaching team training and in-person experiences that help impact driven leaders grow their business while reducing their stress. Now, obviously, that's the statement, right? But my hope is that our team members would say that in a really casual way that's context sensitive to the person that they're talking to. But you get the point. Language creates culture and simplicity scales. And if you haven't trained your team on how to talk about what your business does, then number one, they're going to have a lot of ambiguity about what the business does, and that's not good. But also, you're going to be leaving opportunity on the table. And so, in so many ways, the fundamental of product guide is really associated with your marketing and sales strategy, and what are you doing to take advantage of the low-hanging fruit that's already in front of you. What we're focused on here is clarity. Dave Ramsey always says to be unclear is to be unkind. That applies most frequently to your team members. Let's be clear about what we do and let's be clear about how we talk about what we do. Donald Miller goes one step further in the marketing arena and he says, if you confuse, you lose. And that's what so many of us are doing right now is whenever we talk to people about what we do, we confuse them. Why do we confuse them? Because we're confused ourselves. Do the hard work of simplifying. Make it really clear how your team can answer what do you do whenever they get asked it and then train them to be able to give that answer. That's what you're going to accomplish within the product guide fundamental. And that brings us to fundamental seven, which is the last fundamental that we're gonna walk through in this episode. And then we'll close out this fundamental series in the next episode. But fundamental seven is financial health metrics and rhythms. Sadly, I've seen this happen so often with especially visionary business owners. They get really focused on growing their business. And then even after they focus on growing their business, they focus on implementing structure in their business. And they create a mission, they create core values, and their business is up and to the right and their team is growing. And then they get blindsided by something. And it's in the process of getting blindsided by something. Maybe it was an accident that one of their team members had. Maybe it was a tax bill that they weren't expecting. Maybe it was a customer issue. Maybe it was a mistake that they made that maybe had a comma or more than one comma in it. But something happens that they get blindsided by, which, by the way, we can never expect what the blindside is going to be, but we should expect a blindside. And so that's not a matter of if, that's a matter of when. You will get blindsided if you've been in business for a while, right? And that happens, and it's in the process of that happening that in the midst of all this growth and health and everything going so well, the blindside occurs, and that's that's when that person realizes, oh, I didn't know my numbers. It's sad and it's wrong that that happens so often. I'm so grateful that I had so many leaders and so many mentors train me and teach me before I started my business. Alex, if you're going to do this, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, it is your responsibility, but also it's your opportunity to create rhythms for knowing your numbers. And here's the deal. I'm not a numbers guy, right? I, I always say that money is not my primary motivator. I would do this for free. And I did for a very long time before I ever started Path for Growth, right? Now, the fact that we get to make money doing it, it's like, holy cow, this is awesome. But as a result, it's not where my mind naturally goes. It's not what I enjoy, right? I see a spreadsheet and I just like cringe inside. Some people look at a spreadsheet and they see art. That's not me, right? And so I'm not a numbers guy. And at the same time, here's what I believe. I believe discipline is choosing to do what matters most instead of choosing to appease what matters now. And so for me, when I started my business, I realized, okay, I've had so many people that are really, really wise tell me, Alex, you need to know your numbers and you need to have a rhythm and a discipline for knowing your numbers. They told me that over and over and over again. And I'm so thankful. I thank God for this. It clicked with me. And I set up rhythms with my bookkeeper at first and then eventually with Zach, our integrator, where we are consistently looking at the core metrics that represent the health and growth of our business. We're putting our eyes on it. And we're saying, where are we? Where do we want to be? And what is the story that all of this is telling us? Here's what I want you to understand, regardless of whether this is something that you're good at and you enjoy, or this is something that you're not good at and you would rather avoid, if you own or run a business, this is your responsibility. And so with that, I just want to walk you through the success statements that we teach for the financial fundamental, because this is really a picture of what it looks like to accomplish this fundamental, to make sure that you're healthy, to make sure that you're all green whenever it comes to the financial health metrics and rhythms fundamental. The business financial activity is tracked and documented punctually and accurately, The business has identified the key financial metrics necessary to evaluate the health and growth of the business. The business has a consistent rhythm for evaluating the key financial metrics. The business has a consistent rhythm for comparing actual performance to expected performance. The business owner has a sense of informed clarity and peace around the organization's finances. So let's break down what these success statements represent. Number one, the business financial activity is tracked and documented punctually and accurately. That looks like you having a bookkeeper. I am blown away at the number of business owners I coincide with that they've got like a running, functional, profitable business. And I ask, who's keeping your books? And they say me, or they say, oh, my wife does it on the side. Don't do that. Hire a bookkeeper, right? This is a small investment that you should be making to make sure, number one, that this is done above board, above reproach, This is not something that you should be spending time on. Why? Is it because bookkeeping is bad? No, bookkeeping isn't bad. I love our bookkeeper. But why is it so important? Especially because in starting your business, your responsibility is to be focusing on things that are above and ahead of where the business currently is and that are going to help the business move forward and grow. By nature, keeping the books is making sure that we're accurately documenting where the business has been and where the business is, and that is taking you away from what your job actually is as the person that owns or runs this business. So, number one, we're focused on tracking. Number two, we're focused on distilling and simplifying. So, we've got all this data. Most people have that in place, right? And I'll give you that. You probably have a bookkeeper. Have you worked with that bookkeeper or your controller to say, we're going to take all this and we're going to identify the five to seven metrics that we really need to be focused on that are going to be indicative of the health and growth of our business? The things that we can easily access, that we can look at on a monthly basis, and we can put our eyes on because here's the principle what you look at moves and if you're looking at the right things over and over and over again you're going to see movement in those areas so often the things that keep people from actually growing their business effectively is they're not looking at the right things so Spend the time to identify what do we need to look at and then make sure you create dashboards for getting that information on a consistent basis. And am I saying you should create the dashboard? No, I'm absolutely not saying that you can work with your bookkeeper to do that. You can work with a controller to do that. You can work out with an outside service to do that. There's so many options available to you. You just need to make sure it gets done. Next, the business has a consistent rhythm for evaluating the key financial metrics. So now we're into the rhythm. So the way this works within our team is oftentimes the first Monday, but if it's like the first of the month or the second of the month, then we wait till the second Monday. We look at our financial dashboards with all of the metrics that we've identified are crucial for the health and growth of our business. And as a leadership team, we're going to look at those. And then on a yearly basis, we're going to do a full open book review of all these financial metrics with our team. But here's the deal. You got to have, a rhythm that you are committed to, right? And what's so good is, you know, if you listen to the previous Fundamentals podcast, fundamental number three is your leadership team meeting. And if you've got that up and running now, then you can include this financial review meeting at the front end of one of your leadership team meetings every single month. Next, the business has a consistent rhythm for comparing actual performance to expected performance. This is talking about budgeting. And and here's the deal. I've talked to people that are way, way, way smarter than me on this topic. And I've asked them the question, okay, well, budgeting is way more difficult in some industries than others, right? Some work is seasonal, some work you don't, it's really hard to look at cash flow and to develop cash flow forecasts and projections for what the business is going to do. And I've talked to a bunch of really smart people that I really respect on this topic. And I've just asked them that question, like, how do you respond to those people? And they say, yeah, maybe harder, but it's necessary. Like, If you want to run a healthy business, this is something that you have to do. You have to create budgets, and then you have to have a rhythm for evaluating how do we do compared to what we said we would do. And so that's the next success statement. Finally, and this is a big one, the owner has a sense of informed clarity and peace around the organization's finances. So this is what's so powerful is we have our one-on-one coaching customers red, yellow, green, all these success statements for the fundamentals. And you can be green on a lot of them and still be red on that one. And if you're read on the informed clarity and peace success statement as it relates to the, the financial fundamental, that should raise so many questions in your head. And it doesn't mean you have to get stressed out. doesn't mean you have to get freaked out. It just means you should get really curious. So often our impulse whenever we experience a lack of peace or clarity is that we start to get critical. We get critical of ourselves and then that overflows into being critical about others If you find that, man, I don't really have a ton of peace and clarity about the finances right now, don't get critical. Just get curious and say, well, why is that? And what is causing that? And what could we do to alleviate that? And what would it look like for me to have peace and clarity? And then take what you get out of those conversations that you're having with yourself and hopefully inviting God into and document and say, here's what it would look like. Or here's what I would want to be true for me to have financial peace and clarity. And then in the process of documenting that, share that with your integrator, share that with your leadership team, share that with your fractional CFO and say, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm experiencing a lot of anxiety around our finances right now, but I spent some time thinking about what it would look like for me to experience peace. And I think this is it. This is chicken scratch right now. But I was hoping we could go over this together and start talking through plans of what it would look like for me. for us to go from where we are to where we want to be. That's so powerful for you to lead in that conversation instead of react. So let's review. We said fundamental four is your aspirational mission because it's so crucial that you follow Proverbs 4.23 and that you guard the heart of your business above all else for out of that flows everything you do. And then on that same sentiment, we're going to move to fundamental number five, and that's going to be your immovable core values. This is what your business uniquely stands for. And once you have those things in place, well, then you can start to focus on the question of what do we do? And you're going to create a statement that answers that question, and then you're we're also going to create a product guide where your team will be able to have a word of mouth strategy for how they talk about what your business does. And then finally, we're going to make sure that we have the rhythms and metrics in place for you to have financial health. And that's the seventh fundamental. Here's the deal. We've been saying this on all these episodes. We have in-depth lessons and workbooks associated with every single one of these fundamentals. And what's so cool is we've got a whole community of business owners that are walking through these fundamentals now and walking through the lessons and also engaging with the Path for Growth community, talking about these things. And we're seeing them be implemented. And we're seeing these structures come to life. And we're seeing the growth that these businesses are experiencing, uh, first of all, increase and amplify, which is really cool, but then also become healthy growth. And the way that we kind of identify that is we say, man, their business is growing and you know what's happening? Their stress level is actually decreasing. It's an inverse relationship between the two. That's something that we'd love for you to experience if you are an impact-driven leader that owns or runs a business. And we're offering a free trial right now. If you're interested in that free trial so that you can get access to all of the fundamental lessons for 14 days, just click the link that's in the show notes and apply for that 14-day free trial. Y'all know this, we're rooting for you. We're praying for you. We wanna see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me your strength is not for you, your strength is for service. Let's go, let's go, let's go.